Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the absolute brilliant actor Jason Fleming. I think he's one of Britain's best actors. He's very underrated, but when you see him in a performance, it will always stay with you. I first remember seeing him in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, which is over 20 years ago now. God, I feel old. And then he came back and got to work with Guy Ritchie again in the absolutely awesome Snatch. Since then, he's gone and worked on stuff like From Hell, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I think is an absolutely brilliant film. And we get to sit down and talk about his brand new film, Two Weeks to Live, which is out right now. So go and watch it. It's amazing and he's outstanding in it. But before we get to the interview, I do like to touch base in true typical Mark and Me fashion and talk about the last episode. I was joined by the amazing writer Joe Hill. He was such a great guest. The response has been incredible. And a massive thank you for Joe for sharing that across his whole social media network. The numbers were absolutely amazing. Loads of new followers, loads of new fans to the podcast and loads of new listeners. So thank you so much, Joe, for coming on the show. And thanks to everyone for taking the time to listen and let me know how much they've loved his work. And then some of you have only just discovered it and gone and bought his new book. And I can't wait for you guys to start delving into his writing because he is up there with the best. But let's get back to today's episode. I'm joined by Jason Fleming and he's the geezer that you'd hope he is. He's amazing from start to finish, so much energy, so lively and a great interview. So here's me and Jason Fleming talking all things acting. So Jason, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Nice to be here, mate. Nice to be here. What I want to do for people that are tuned in today that want to kind of get a bit of a background, where was it where it all started for you? Can you remember when you were growing up, were there some early films or actors that you were watching that made you fall in love with cinema or want to know that you could become an actor one day? Do you know what? It's weird you say that because it was from primary school. I just, I mean, I kind of tell a a tale which is half kind of not true and half true. But basically Alice Ouvery was this really fit girl when I was 11 um, <laughs> and she was playing Alice in uh, The Wizard of Oz so I auditioned for the Scarecrow to try and um, get you know closer to her and she ended up kissing the uh, Tin Man but oh, yeah. it did it did start the, the the beginnings of why I what I loved and I was like wow this is amazing and so um, as I grew up I always did it and it and it never stopped me you know like if you want to be an astronaut there comes a point where they go well we're we're not going to let you go up in a spaceship so yeah. you just don't become an astronaut but with acting I, I it, it just never stopped me I kept doing it and then and then you know went through that hot, it's a very sort of um classic process it doesn't have to happen like this but especially in the old days it would be like you would do you know amateur dramatics and then you did like the National Youth Theatre and then you did school th- productions drama school then you get a crappy job at the RSC with one line for two years and then you know you go step by step all the way up through TV and into film and I just never, it never stopped me. It just let me do it. So that's, and, you know, that's why I'm here now. That's amazing. Did you have support from your family? Because I wanted to be a musician when I grew up. And every time I would go home and be like, mom, dad, I want to play guitar and be in a band. They were like, look, you're not going to be the next Kurt Cobain. You need to go and get a proper job. You know, that sort of thing. I, I was lucky. I was lucky because yeah. mum was a dancer. Um, and dad was uh, a director. And because I lived in London as well, you know, when you come from like Huddersfield, you don't see actors on the streets all the time. You know what I mean? But in, in yeah. London, it was quite, it was quite, you know, there's a theatre, there's a theatre on every, nearly every corner and um, there were loads of actors around. And so it just sort of felt like a natural thing. It didn't feel like becoming a spaceman. It felt yeah. like you could be a doctor, a lawyer, 
an actor, you know, a binman, a van driver, whatever it was, but I could see all those jobs were around me. So it never felt really out of reach. And most of your early work when you first started to break through was in TV. Can you remember yeah. kind of getting those first roles and thinking, shit, this is like real now. This is when I'm going to start earning yeah. and getting that. What, what were those first roles when you remember getting those butterflies and feeling sick? Like, oh, my Lord. Well, the worst thing, my first ever gig was with Fiona Shaw. And it was a thing Danny Boyle did called The Greater Good. And it was one line. And um, it was with Fiona Shaw. And on that morning, I remember going into the caravan and stuff and trying to style it out. And then when you're on a film set, there's like a breakfast and it's done out of a, um, a truck. And I queued up with all the rest of the cast and crew and got to the front. He said, what do you want, mate? And I went, uh, just, just beans on toast, please. <laughs> and he went, beans on toast, you sure, son? I went, yeah, yeah, just beans on toast. And then he gave me the beans on toast. And I went, okay, uh, how much is that? And he went, this kid only wants to buy his breakfast. And the whole <laughs> cast and crew just were laughing. And I was like, oh, mate. And so obviously the new boy. And he said, you can have what you want, mate. And I was like, no, no, just beans on toast, just beans on toast. So those, those, those initial months and years of, you know, acting is 90% confidence. Yeah. So, so, you know, like when Lenny James goes to open a door on a, in a film, he knows that when he puts his hand, he's going to turn the handle and the door's going to pull. But when you first start, you're like, shit, 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 the door, the handle, which way does it go? Is it going to pull or is it going to push? And you're terrified, you know, and, and the only way to get less bright is to be able to do it as much as I've done it or as much as Lenny's done it. And, it, you know, that's a vicious circle because if you're so you've really got to stir your loins in the early years and and just go for it. Because once you've lost your confidence, it's very hard to know which way the door goes in or out. And then obviously people that are listening will be going absolutely mental if I don't mention Guy Ritchie and working on Lockstock and Snatch and stuff. Yes. Like, I remember when those films came out, it's up there with sort of train spotting and stuff that just changed. Like everyone in Britain was like, it's just, it's insane. I haven't seen a film in the last sort of five years that have had that kind of impact where everyone is talking about it. There's a real buzz. And to be involved, I suppose it must be hard because you're on the inside being part of it. But did you have any idea when you were on set that it was going to become such a cult classic? No, I mean, you know, it was a cheap little film with Vinnie Jones. That's, yeah. you know, and it collapsed a couple of times. And thank God, you know, I didn't leave the project. And the only reason I didn't leave it because I didn't have anything else. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's, it's really funny because uh, we, um, we all, you know, the WhatsApp group from Lockstock is still very active. The WhatsApp group from Seed of Chucky, not so much. You know, yeah. success is bonding. Um, and in fact, um, Guy Ritchie's just made a film in Turkey with Stafe. And uh, obviously I've been sort of like, me and Stafe still are very close. And I've been, um, you know, texting him and stuff. And Carrie Elwis from uh, Princess Bride, you know, yes. one of my great heroes when I was growing up. I did Jungle Book with him a hundred years ago and Carrie's working with Guy Ritchie. So he's been texting me because Guy's way of working is, is very different to anyone else's. It's quite alpha, a lot of fun, you know, short days a lot of confident, yeah. you know, confident filmmaking. So Carrie, who I, you know, worshipped when I was younger, is now texting me going, hey, Jay, you know, I'm with your friends, Guy and, and Jason, and God, it's such a great time here. And, I, and it really reminded, you know, I've not worked with Guy really since those early films, but it definitely made me yearn back to that time when we were all so close and tight and, you know, just used to have such a great time making films. Like I said about acting, that's confidence, but filmmaking is as well. And when Guy does it, the confidence he's got just permeates through the whole cast and crew, you know. I've done many films where everyone was panicking and in fear. It's not such a great experience. And by the way, 
you know, most of the time that's the case. So when yeah. you work with Guy, it's a real treat. It must be amazing because, like, he's grown and grown and his confidence has grown. He's working with bigger names, like you say, all the time now, like getting to work with Stafe and stuff like that. And it's just amazing to see that his career has kind of really flourished in the last kind of 10 years. It's amazing. You know, the truth The truth is, the guy, more than most, more than a lot of directors I've worked with, the, 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 the uh, foundation of Guy's success is talent. You know what I mean? He has got such an eye he's got great taste he writes better than you know he writes dialogue funny sharp dialogue better than anyone and and you know that's there are people who work really i mean without being too self-effacing i work quite hard and i'm confident but i have to work quite hard in order to achieve you know some sort of uh merit or performance but guy it's it just pours out of him you know what i mean it really does and a few years ago, um, you had a go at obviously doing their debut for directing. Was it Eat Locals? Is yeah. That yeah. No. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I was going to say, does this give you a taste to want to do more? I'll show you the post. It's in the bathroom. Hold on. Amazing. <laughs> I know you can't see it, podcasters, but... Oh, look at that. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's the only place it ever went up. No, that's not quite true. But... No, I loved it. I mean, listen, if you get, you get, you get one shot, you know, and out of it and i got to work with all the people i love you know tony curran and um all my all in fact everyone in lockstock was in it um dexter's in it nick moran's in it statham designed the fights you know it was really cool it was great so um i will do it again but the second time you, I do, you don't get more than two chances so this time it's got to make i've got to do something great that makes money otherwise they'll never put the camera in my hand again was it stressful? Was it really as, but did you then get a new kind of level of respect for the directors you've worked with previously? I mean, I knew, I knew, I knew what yeah. it involves. You know, it involves being basically pecked to death by a thousand pigeons every, <laughs> every minute of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a thousand questions, a thousand answers. And, you know, I lost, I lost, well, the investors lost about half a million, but I lost about six kilos just, just in 19 days shooting. But it's the best, man. It's, you know, it's out the trenches. You're no longer a soldier or a general. And I thrived. I loved every second of it. What I like now as well is even though you've been pecked to death by 6,000, you've got a studio that have lost money, you're still like, fuck it, I want to do more. Yeah, I want to do that again big time. I want to lose someone else's money. Yeah, and it's a good way to lose weight. So if you're out there in the diet... It's a really good way to lose weight. It's, it's a really good way. Film, you know, that's the best diet out there. Forget all these eating habits, just direct a film. Well, there's two things. You can either direct a film or go to India and act in a film and get um, Perry the Parasite and you lose a pound a month, no matter what you eat. It's brilliant. <laughs> and I then went to, I had to go to the tropical, um, the uh, tropical disease center in uh, central London to get the Perry the Parasite removed. And I was very reticent to go. I was like, mate, can I just do a couple more months? Cause this is amazing. I'm losing weight all the time. They wouldn't have it. We wouldn't have it. So we've got to get that out of you, son. And at the moment, you're promoting Two Weeks to Live. Tell me about how this project came about for you. Um, well, I do quite a lot for Sky and have done yeah. um, for a while. Um, so we were doing, I think we were doing Jamestown and we'd done the first series of Save Me. Yeah. So I was sort of in their rotor disc, you know what I mean? And without being self-effacing, um, generally those gigs come to me um, as offers 
because someone pulled out on Thursday and we start shooting Monday. And it was one of those. They're like, no, 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 Jay, we love you. We think you're brilliant. I'm like, why are you contacting me on Thursday then <laughs> when we start on Monday? They're like, no, 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 it's not that. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then you get to the trailer and you see like Jason Isaac's name and they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And yeah, you need to change that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you get your costume. It's got Sean Perby written in it. And, you know, yeah. but listen, it doesn't matter, man. However it comes, it comes. And um, I'd rather be fifth choice on a good job than uh, first choice on a bad one. And with this whole lockdown at the moment and the world kind of being put on hold, there's a lot of stuff on your IMDb page that's in production, in pre-production stage. Are you yeah. as, Are you as really as busy as that says? Because there's about 10 or 11 roles. There's fucking loads. And I'm like, how is I know, this mate. weaving? You know, how is this man actually functioning? I know. I mean, I'm very lucky. Last year, you know, I had to keep quiet about it because everyone was, you know, obviously it was horrific. But... Um, I managed to knock out three feature films in a, in a, in a series of Pennyworth. So that, that's great. Um, but mostly last year, see what happened was before, before COVID yeah. was that everyone had, you know, it takes 18 months, two years. Well, it can take up to five years to, to, to prep a job properly. So when COVID hit, there were loads of jobs just about to go. And what happened was the producers were like, well, we've got to keep going. How are we going to make this work? So there were loads, there was loads of work last year that was like COVID safe, you know, from the very posh jobs like Pennyworth, where we'd have like, I'd be tested every 24 hours and they'd, they'd send a nurse to the house and then an Addison Lee car to the lab. And it was like vast, you know, I think it was like 200 grand a month for the production to keep the whole cast and crew COVID safe. And on the, on the um, other end of that was really tiny little British productions like Boiling Point we did with yeah. um, Stevie Gray where they would take your temperature. I mean, that was right at the beginning of first lockdown. They take your temperature. Everyone, you know, tries to keep safe, try to keep masked up, try to keep, you know, and fingers crossed, basically, let's shoot it. So there was different levels of, um, of uh, pre, you know, of, of, of precaution. Um, but they all had to get their work done. This year, you know, who's going to insure or start a film this year? It's, it's much harder. It's much harder. But, you know, it's there. It's happening. And I think there was an amazing um, producer called Matthew Patnick who sort of set the template on Pennyworth about how to keep production COVID safe. Yeah. And it worked. You know, we shot it all. Yeah, I mean, talk about me losing six pounds, six kilos doing, um, doing a directing a film. To, to, make, to be running, producing a COVID safe TV show. Yeah. That's seriously stressful. Poor guy. But he so did it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many films that are put on hold, but at the moment, Richie, as we're speaking, I think, you know, Tom Cruise is doing the new Mission Impossible and you see yeah. all this stuff on set, how strict they've got to be and you've seen these outbursts, but it's still good that it hasn't completely... No, it's amazing, mate. It, it, whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes is fine. Yeah. Um, it's not as much of a crack, you know, because everyone's slightly nervous, everyone's wearing masks and there's these sort of COVID... They're not called the COVID police, but there's like four guys with yellow jackets on the set who are the COVID advisors. Poor guys. It's like being a blooming traffic warden. Everyone can't stand yeah. them, but they're, they're just doing their job. Um, so it's not much of a crack, but that's hardly uh, an excuse not to do it. You know, we'll get back to the laughing another time. And with a lot of people that listen to the podcast, we have a lot of people that are at film school or at university and college. Yeah. What advice do you give to people that are listening today that want to be like yourself and get involved in acting and be involved in big productions or TV or film work to kind of step above everyone else and be noticed? Because at the moment, it's a hard industry to break through in. But if you do, you know, amazing. 
what advice do you give from the history? Of I know it sounds so basic, right? It sounds so obvious, but um, here's a simile. It's make it easier to understand. Jamie Oliver, when he was trying to become a chef, um, he worked with a chef called Gennaro. And Gennaro is the most, Gennaro's the most famous Italian pasta chef. And Jamie said to him, would you teach me how to make pasta? And he was like, shut up, go and clean the dishes. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> and so every day Jamie came in, threw flour over it. And every night when Gennaro finished, he said, Gennaro, you go home and I'll clean your workstation. And he'd, throw, he'd clean it all up, he'd throw flour over the workstation. And then in the flour, he'd like draw a big, big willy or something, you know, and, and, and Gennaro would come in and look at it and go, oh, for God's sake. But he was, he just persevered and he just was, went the extra mile. We just did a, on a job, um, and I know it's ridiculous because it's so obvious, but there was a runner who let, literally always got the juices, always got the coffees, was always there. And I'm like, mate, you don't need to do this. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. You've just got to keep pushing, keep, yeah. put, your, put your own head above, above the rest, you know, thrust your head above the rest. It's difficult to get into that position, but if it means sending, if it means sending, uh, you know, if you send, by the way, don't quote me on this because I'm going to get a lot of stick for it. But, you know, if you, if you've got a producer or a director you like, turn up at the door, you know, and say, yeah. look, sorry, mate, how'd you take your coffee? And you'll go, what? And you go, just want to know how you take your coffee. You'll go, why? And I go, because I want to bring you one tomorrow morning and just keep doing it until they let you have, until they take the coffee off you. Yeah. You know, so and it's. There's going to be so many students standing outside Starbucks waiting to go to Spielberg's house. <laughs> I know. I mean, it might not work with Spielberg. I mean, you know, don't aim aim where you think. You know, it's a process, right? It's like yeah. when I started in amateur theatre and then went on to school theatre and blah. You know, don't go and take Danny Boyle a cappuccino and expect to be running for him the next job. But, yeah. you know, it works. It just persevere. Keep at it. Because, I mean, I'm saying this to myself as well. It's like when I do a self-tape and I, I do the self-tape and I look and I go, yeah, yeah, that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But there's going to be some kid who's younger than me, better looking than me, who's going to put the costume on, put it on a back scenario. And when I fire the gun, he's going to fire a gun. And, that, and the people who watch it are going to go, this kid's mental. This yeah. kid's actually doing it. This is great. That's the way it is. Someone might go, bit keen, bit frightening, not interested. But... I'm telling you, you've got to put your head above everyone else because back in the day, really early on, I remember Anna Friel used to go, when she was going to a casting, she'd have a makeup artist come over and she'd get a car to the casting. So she'd arrive feeling like a star. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it works, you know? It's self-belief and confidence. You stand out then, don't you? Everyone's like, wow, look at that. And instantly you've got their attention straight away. Just, just that's it. You know, it's just, it's just... But I mean, it's an old adage, isn't it? Everyone knows that's the, the reality of it, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to even work out where Dan and Boyle goes to work and what time he arrives, you know, it's hard. Yeah, and then you're going to get people that are going to be stalking him and then getting arrested, so that's not the route. Yeah, and then you might get arrested. You say, well, Jason Fleming said it, and he said, I don't even know who Jason Fleming is, <laughs> you know. As long as they mention this podcast, then people can listen to the one where you actually reveal <laughs> them, then we get big numbers. Exactly. Exactly. And a question that I've asked every single guest that's been on the podcast, it doesn't matter if they're a cinematographer, an actor, a director, a film star, we make the episodes exclusive by making the outro music a choice of song by yourself. So the guest that comes on gets to choose the outro piece of music. Now, if I gave you too long to think about it, you'd be like... I've got it. I've oh, got it. That's what I like. What is it? Always On My Mind by Elvis Presley. Amazing. I fucking love that chorus of that song. It's incredible. Yeah. I actually so there heard that on, um, which is not the best show to admit, but I watched Ali McBeal 
uh, back in the day and there was a show when there was a death and they played that the original mono version and when that chorus kicks in literally the hairs stick up on my neck like there is nothing like it it still gets me mate it still gets me i did an interview just before this for the sunday mirror and they said what's the what's the role you missed that you'd always wanted to play and i said elvis presley the early years that was yeah <laughs> I can't ask that question now. Look, that seems like a recycled question. So I'm going to end on what can people see you in in the next few couple of years? Like what's what what out of this list of all hey, these? So we got we've got the second series of Pennyworth coming up. Um, yeah. Firstly, firstly, obviously we've got um, two weeks to live coming out on yeah. uh, DVD, which is amazing, and I'm really proud of it. I love it. Yeah, it's got some great young talent in it. Everyone in it was was more talented and younger and better looking than me. Um, Pennyworth comes out. Uh, in February on Stars, and the two features that I did last year, which is one is in one take, and it's called Boiling Point, which I love with Stevie Graham. Yeah. Um, and we've done a new film just finished called Ire, I R E, as oh. in anger, and it's with Craig Fairbrot, the newly invented, who I always loved, even when he wasn't as as hip as he is now. Yeah. Craig Fairbrot's post um, villain, and. Uh, he is really incredible and I loved working with him. And it's all set in a prison cell. So um, it's, yeah, it's cool. And you're playing the part of Frank Gillespie. Yeah, I didn't even know what it was called. Is that what I'm called? Yeah, that's what your name's going to be. Nice. Good, good work, man. Good work. <laughs> good work. Right then, uh, our, time, our time's literally up by the minute. Look at that, 12 o'clock on the night. But um, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I can't wait for people to see Two Weeks to Live. Obviously, get it on DVD and digital download and all the ways to do it. And all this stuff that's coming up, you've got a short film coming out, Tiny Dancer. Is that, is oh, that yeah, that's this geezer. That, oh, my God, George Jakes. He's this young director. He's like, you see, listen, exactly what we were just talking about. Being, he would not let go. I couldn't shake him off. Yeah. I tried my best. He said, will you help me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you, I'll help you. Before I knew it, I was making spaghetti bolognese on set and feeding the crew. I was like, what the, how did this happen? He's amazing. You can't shake him off. And, and he, you know, he's done like five short films in a year and a half. He's amazing. That's the way to do it. And again, if that's any reference to the song by Elton John, of Almost Famous, my favourite film, then that's incredible. Yeah, I love that movie. Oh my God, it's the best. It's the film that always will cheer me up. If I'm on a shit day, I can put that film on. It doesn't matter what's happened. And I'm like... Well, what's that? Um, what's she called? It's um, Russell... Uh, Goldie Horn's daughter's in it, isn't she? Uh, um, Kate Hudson, Penny Lane. Kate, yeah. yeah, Kate Hudson, man. That's the role. She was born to play that role. Well, um, I really appreciate ruining your career today. Thanks for that. And There's no way I can do an interview without ruining my career. It's just it's one of those things I do. Well, let's do it again in about six months and we'll talk all about this stuff that's happening. Okay, bro. All right, mate. Thanks for us. Nice, nice one, man. Speaking Bye, viewers, listeners. Bye. <laughs> viewers, listeners. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Jason Fleming. So much energy, so easy to talk to and a really great guy from start to finish. So a massive thank you for Jason for taking the time to come on the podcast. If you've loved today's episode and you want to support me, I say this on every episode, but it makes a huge difference and I've seen a lot more people doing it recently and it brings a whole new audience to Mark and me. Just share the episode. It costs nothing and it's a, literally a couple of presses of a button. You can do this on your Facebook, your Twitter or your Instagram and it really does make a massive difference. It introduces people to the page, gets them then to listen to the podcast and hopefully support me via Patreon or just be a regular listener, which is all I can ask for. If you want to support the podcast on the Patreon, there's links on markandme.com. 
Every week I'm giving away some incredible prizes from Vice Press, some of the best posters and even the variants that sell out instantly we reserve and they're available for these people that support me on Patreon. Also, I'm going to get as many different prizes like Blu-rays, signed merch and stuff from the guests that come on the podcast. So they're literally stuff that money can't buy and I keep them all back to thank you for supporting me via Patreon. As you know, it's absolutely manic at the moment and we're doing two episodes a week. Every Wednesday, every Saturday, you get a brand new slice of Mark and me. And this isn't going to stop anytime soon. It's being absolutely manic and I'm loving the response. I'll be back in only four days time with a brand new episode. And as I said, I think March is my biggest month and my best month for the range of different interviews and the content I'm putting out. So thanks again for supporting me and I'll speak to you all in a few days time. Maybe I didn't treat you Quite as good as I should have Maybe I didn't love you Quite as often as I could have Little things I should have said and done I just never took the time I'm so happy that you're mine If I made you feel second best Girl, I'm so sorry I was blind Oh, 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 oh,